0: Hello,
1: I'm Chris Meek, and you've turned into this week's episode of Next Steps Forward. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you with us again. Today's guest is Desi Shackney. Desi is a certified life coach. She's dedicated to enlightening and empowering individuals in midlife who are experiencing relationship transitions such as divorce, a breakup, or the loss of a spouse. Through her coaching, Desi equips her clients with a diverse set of proven techniques, enabling them to overcome challenges like past focus, people-pleasing, anxiety, and suffering, to rebuild self-confidence and have healthy relationships with themselves and others. Her mission is to foster emotional well-being and guide them toward realizing their dream lives. Desi is a devoted mother of three, an avid cyclist, and a passionate student of quantum concepts. Desi Shackney, welcome to Next Steps Forward.
2: Thank you for having me, Chris. It's great to be here.
1: No, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. So Desi, you're a certified life coach, but you came into that profession after years as a marketing executive take us through your journey to being a certified life coach. And I think our audience would be especially interested in your formative years in Europe.
2: Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so it, it's interesting. This, this is a big question, right? Like formative years journey to being a life coach. There's a lot to unpack there. And maybe cause I do know that you have an international audience. I will start with my kind of the beginning of my life journey, which was the first 20 years or so of my life. I, and from Europe, I grew up in a very small country. I was born in a, uh, Bulgaria, which at the time was a communist country. And it's interesting because my life took me in many different directions. Um, I grew up as the daughter of um, a, a diplomat. My dad was a diplomat. My my mom worked in the, in the same field as him. Um, and because of that, my sister and I had the the opportunity but also the challenge really to have to move to adapt to new countries to learn new languages etc so it was um it it was definitely not an easy journey uh, but it totally shaped me who I am today and probably learned a ton of skills along the way in terms of resiliency adaptability um fitting in making friends from scratch etc so there's Tons of skills, I think life skills that I had to learn along the way um, that obviously translated into my later life. So uh, for sure, that was uh, interesting. And then I would say very nonlinear as far as what I am doing now and and where that came about. Um, I started in my career in marketing and I've really been in marketing all the way through. Um, What happened is two years ago, obviously, COVID hit and uh, I lost my job. Um, I had all this time on my hands. I had already started doing self-coaching and working on myself and discovered some tools that were helping me in my career and in my life. And I thought, you know, I really love this type of work. Um, I could probably certify and see if I can do it full-time more as a business. Um, And, you know, COVID allowed me to do that. So I certified, I trained, I got into coaching. I started meeting other coaches and just like, talking to them about the work they're doing and really getting excited mm. and passionate about the work. Um, also, the process of certifying involved talking to clients and doing some co- coaching, et cetera. So it really spoke to me. Um, and I felt like it just enhanced who I am in general. And, and coaching, you can bring into any field of work that you're doing, right? So it's definitely helped me in my corporate career as well. Um, So at the moment, I'm sort of straddling both. I'm still in corporate. I'm working for a small software company um, as I'm trying to get this business built and off the ground as well.
1: So we know you're a certified life coach, but interestingly enough, you specialize in working with avid bicyclists. Why cyclists? That seems like such a a niche group.
2: It is, and it's great because when you say to someone that you're a coach for cyclists, if they are a cyclist, immediately, they they know that you're the person for them, right? They can identify you and go, wow, you get me like, you know, what I what I love to do, you know, and cycling is probably next to meditation, like the best form of stress relief. Um, you when you're on the bike, you get into a zone in your pedaling, and you're sort of the repetitive motion. Um, but also just like, really being in nature too, you know, it depends where you cycle. I cycle here in the suburbs of New Jersey and it's beautiful rolling hills and there's farms, et cetera, rivers. So it's really, um, you know, the nature has a very calming effect on the nervous system. And and then why cyclists? I think cyclists are full of energy and they love challenge. They're not afraid of a challenge. Um, I see how I push myself to be a better cyclist to be in better form, you know, and just take care of my body so I can keep up with the group that I cycle with. Um, And it's just a great support system. It's a great community. Everyone helps each other out. Um, There's a a notion in cycling called a no-drop ride, which basically it doesn't matter what level you're at. Even if you're the slowest cyclist, you're not going to be dropped by the team. So there's that level of support and embracing everyone, um, and you feel like part of a community, part of the longing. So it's, uh, it's been a great experience for me.
1: That's amazing. So where does a certified life coach fit into the range of counseling services that someone might seek out during a divorce?
2: Um, I would say it probably sits, um, more in depending on where you are in your own, you know, mental and emotional journey. Um, it's really at the point where you are f- Functioning, You know, because divorce can be can have different impact on different people and some people take it very hard and, and I actually needed um, counseling, you know, professional mental health. I sought out uh, a psychotherapist during my divorce. I, you know, had depression. I had certain behaviors that I just didn't really know what how to handle and especially with little kids. So um, I needed tools. I needed a way to just lift myself out of the non-functioning phase into the functioning. And I did um, CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, was very helpful to me. Um, But I think, you know, unless you have some kind of diagnosis or some kind of pathology and you really need that clinical help from a professional and it might be combined with medication if you're a functioning in the functioning stage and you really just want to up-level your life, um, that's where coaching comes in. And I kind of want to draw an analogy uh, of coaching similar to like a personal trainer. You're already in good health. You just want to get stronger and fitter and be able to do things that maybe you can't do right now, increase your muscle mass, etc. So coaching is kind of like that for the mind and for your thinking. And so it just gives you better tools to work with so you can get your your mind game to a different level.
1: The term past focused I mentioned in the introduction seems pretty self-explanatory, but I have to admit that I haven't heard it used before, especially in this context. How big of a problem is past focus and how does it typically manifest itself during a divorce?
2: I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory when you say past focus. It's really you look to the past. Um, And you can look to the past and sort of like idealize the past, glorify the past, or you might demonize the past. Right. So depending on your perspective, um, an interesting stat that I read recently is, you know, what is the past? Well, the past is just a memory. And our memories tend to be very unreliable. Um, They're usually not factual. They're usually influenced by our perception of the past by the present circumstances. So, you know, we look at these memories and we think they're, you know, a given and they're the truth, but they're really just our own interpretation of what they are. And a lot of the time, I think, especially as people transition from one state, which is married in a couple to a different state, which is now single, and they're trying to sort of figure out who they are as an individual. It's I think it's natural for us to look back at our past to to think about who can we be in the future. But that is not typically what serves us, because whatever happened in the past is now in the past. And unless it's actually serving us in some beneficial way, we don't have to look to that to decide who we want to be going forward. We can be someone completely based on new ideas, new beliefs, and a new way of um, wanting to organize our life. And so, I, you know, we talk about this past focus a lot. And I do try to um, steer my clients toward, well, what do you want now from the person that you are today? How would you like your life to look like in the next year, in the next five years or 10 years? Let's, you know, kind of blow it out that far and create a roadmap for getting there. And it doesn't have to be based on anything that you've done in the past. So... There that's, you have it. that's sort of that uh, that concept of looking back is not always helpful.
1: Your website focuses on six topics. Let's take them one at a time. First one: relationships. Talk about the need to, as you say, let go of expectations, frustration, and resentment in order for someone to improve all of their relationships.
2: I mean, you know, I feel like relationships really are everything right? Like it, they give meaning to our lives. Um, and what are relationships? It's it's very interesting. In, in my coaching training, it boils down to one sentence. A relationship is your thoughts about another person. It is just your thoughts about someone else. That is the relationship. And it's their thoughts about you, right? So it goes both ways. Um, and you might have thoughts about someone that are very positive and you know, and very um, sort of you paint them in a in a in a great light, and someone else might have the opposite thoughts. And it's really not about who that person is; it's really about your way of thinking about them, right? And so um, I, I find that fascinating because we can we can change our thoughts. We can try on different thoughts, kind of like the way we try on a different jacket or a different outfit, we can try on new thoughts and we can say, how do I like this thought about this person? Do I want to keep this thought about them or not? And so, you know, the quality and the, um, I guess the texture of the relationship can really be influenced by the way that you decide to think about that person. Um, The other concept I teach in, in the context of relationship is the concept of a manual. And the manual is really the operating manual we have for people how they need to behave, how they need to talk to us, whether they should be on time or not, whether they should be polite or not, um, you know, how often they should call us or how often they should, or how quickly they respond to a text message if we text them something. We have these manuals that we're not even conscious of that affect the relationship and that we try to sort of control the other person to be in a way that makes us happy, that fulfills our needs. And so what I try to teach is that no one can meet all your needs and and no one has read your operating manual about how they have to behave, right? They have no idea you even have a manual for them. And so you have to be the one owning um, the responsibility to feel the way that you want to feel in that relationship that is on you, not to have them do the things that make you feel a certain way. Um, but it's so interesting how this whole concept of manual manifests itself in just different, you know, situations. Um, And I do tend to go over a lot of that with clients, just talking through specifics and, and trying for them to understand really to have awareness of their own manual and whether that manual makes any sense. Um, So that's, uh, that's one of the concepts that I teach.
1: And the second topic is self-confidence and the value of redefining oneself. If someone's spouse was clearly the problem within the relationship and now that person is gone, why is it important or even necessary for spouse and counseling to go through a redefinition?
2: I mean, I think divorce takes a hit on people's confidence, whether you're the one who is initiating or the one who is on the receiving end. I think it does it's you know, it's an ego blow. Um, And it's also the way that divorce is perceived in our society. It's usually not looked upon as a. Positive thing, unless obviously there's abuse and other things going on in, in that relationship. But typically, if if it's really more, someone has just decided to leave the relationship for whatever reasons they have, um, we look on divorce as you know not a positive thing, and and so it does impact the way we feel and think about ourselves. And so a lot of the time, especially, and I think this you know, I I guess it does translate to both men and women. I don't want to say it's more an issue with women, but it does affect women in different ways than men, I would say. And, and, you know, and it also has a a tie in with how we define our self-worth and we define our self-worth in terms of how we serve people and the value that we provide to other people. Um, But really self-confidence is about having trust in our own abilities And knowing that we can survive any situation, that we can counter ourselves, that we have our own back, that even if we've made mistakes in the past, they don't define us and we're still worthy of happiness, of, um, you know, having good things happen to us in the future. And so, you know, when I when I look at self-confidence, we work a lot on. Um, what is your identity? What do you what do you bring to the table and how do you think about yourself? What are your thoughts about yourself? Right? Your opinion of yourself. And and then we work on well what do you believe you can do and achieve and be based on the, that identity and those beliefs and how do we need to maybe up level them in order to achieve bigger things and new things and you know create a different type of outcome in your life. Um, so Confidence and self confidence, I can also boil it down to two two different ways of thinking about it. Self confidence is having the trust that you can learn a skill and you have the ability to learn something. And that is having self confidence. Confidence is usually once you've done something um, a bunch of times, like say, you know, you know how to drive a car, you've driven a car thousands of times you are confident that you know how to drive a car, right? At that point, it's just because you've done it so often and so many times, you have evidence that you're good at something. And so um, that builds your confidence. But self-confidence is really key.
0: And
1: number three is taking control of anxiety for good. How do we do that?
2: I mean, anxiety now, it feels like everyone has some level of like chronic anxiety. And I think... um, for sure, you know, COVID created a very um, unique situation with people just really sort of feeling alienated and um, alone and, and and having to take a really good look at their life. And so some of this uh, constant rat race and rush and FOMO, you know, that we've had in the past, um, it, it does contribute so much to our level of anxiety. We're constantly... Living in that, you know, uh, from that place of having uh, the flight or flight, a fight or flight response in our bodies, uh, which is obviously very unhealthy. And it it used to serve us well. I think some level of anxiety and having that as an emotion, as a human emotion, is normal. Um, But we've taken it to a different level. And now we feel anxiety about things that are relatively innocuous, you know, like we might feel anxiety because we're sitting. In traffic, and we're going to be fifteen minutes late for a meeting, and that's like bringing up a lot of anxiety in us. And it's like it's not life or death; it's not going to impact you the way you think. Um, but again, like anxiety comes from our thinking; it comes from the thoughts we have. Some thoughts we think repetitively. Some thoughts are obviously our brain goes to this negative space. Um, and and it's interesting; the brain is so conditioned to. Um, being super efficient and doing the minimal amount of work that it needs to do. So if you've thought a thought repetitively, say for like a month or two or three months, it is now in gra- There's a groove right in your brain for that thought. And you just think it on autumn on automation. Like it's automatic to you. You don't even know you're thinking it and it completely under your subconscious. And all you're doing is you're feeling the emotion of anxiety and you don't know where it's coming from, but typically it's coming from this thought that you've had so many times that is, is the root cause of the anxiety that you're feeling. Um, The other thing with anxiety and, and, you know, we can talk about, I mean, I can talk about emotions all day long, but in the end, anxiety is just an emotion. And what is an emotion? It's a vibration in your body and it's normal for us to have emotions. I mean, that's what makes us human. So anxiety is no better or worse than any other emotion. I think it just has this judgment on it that we label it, that makes it so much bigger than it actually is. Um, So, yeah, so we, you know, we talk about that, we unpack what the word means. We try to create a different frame for what it means so that we can really kind of get control over it and not have it rule our life the way it typically does.
1: And the last topic as body image. As mentioned, you counsel avid cyclists. Why is it important for them to focus on body image when I have to assume most of them are in pretty good shape?
2: I would say uh, that that is not a true statement. <laughs> that I mean, yes, for sure. There's, you know, a t- cyclists are definitely a fit, a fit community. But everyone has different body shape, and body image is not just about your level of fitness or your perform, ability to perform on the bike or in any, in any kind of um, sport. It's really how you view yourself. And I think with, with divorce, there's so much emotion that comes around your physical body, your attractiveness, your desirability, um, you know, kind of going into the next phase of your life where you, you do hope to have that next relationship and be with someone new and have intimacy again. And especially as you are in the very early stages of that, um, there's a lot that comes up around body image and it has nothing to do with your level of fitness. It, it just has to do with how you view yourself, how you feel about yourself. Um, and, you know, there's always a little, uh, this, this level of uncertainty when you're going to be with someone new for the first time, how you will be received, the fear of rejection um and all of that so we work through through those body image concepts and um and try to embrace who we are and embrace where we are in life and you know i've had three kids my body has been through that experience it's not going to look like the body of a 20 year 20 year old right so um there's uh there's that context to it too so it's
1: uh it's a combination Um, of things of those six topics are there one or two issues that are most common or do people have all six?
2: I mean, I think anyone can relate to any one of those six issues, right? I mean, for sure, um, there's different degrees that you might wanna work in, on one area versus another. And I, what I typically do is I do like an intake uh, in the very beginning of starting to work with someone so I can understand what is the most important thing to them, what they feel they need to address you know, immediately. Um, So it might be just, you know, processing the pain, processing the grief, mourning the divorce and sort of trying to emotionally feel like they can move on to something else, Um, you know. And so we talk about emotional pain. We talk about suffering um, and how to overcome that in order to, you know, actually be in the right headspace to take your life forward and, and, and be more productive in your life. Um, but for sure, all of these um, topics come up in in most of the clients that I'm coaching.
1: So you've been through divorce, which is something something that happens to 40% of all first marriages, 50% of all second marriages, and 73% of all third marriages. How did you determine the issues you needed to sort out, and how did you go about getting it done?
2: It's really just talking to the client, right? Um, so talking to the client... Um, they might say, I'm here because I really don't know how to chart my life. I've always been um, with, you know, if they've been in a 20 plus year marriage, it's always been a consensus. It's, it's been, you know, a collaborative effort and now they need help to chart their own um, way forward. So some of it is just like uncovering and working with them on who they are today. Um, If, if they got married young, Back then, they remember themselves as an individual. It's a completely different case situation now, right? If if they're in midlife and they've had X number of years of of marriage and kids, etc. So, I think it's just um, discussing with that client who they are. You know, what's their vision for their life? Who would they like to be? And what is most important to them today that they need to work on? So, like I said, like it's just through conversation that that comes out.
1: It's one thing to improve oneself, but quite another to synthesize everything and begin to help others like you did. How long did that process take and why was it something you commit yourself to doing?
2: It, it probably took two years, I would say. So, um, you know, the decision to certify... It just came to me. It was more of an inspiration. And, a, and I thought, like, I really need to do this. And then as I was going through the certification, we were given training, not just on coaching. We were given training on how to start a business. Um, I absorbed that. I love that part of it, the entrepreneurial aspect of running a business. And I thought this is this is great because it ties in with my professional skills and what I know from bringing that part of my career, you know, into this industry. Um, And also, you know, the level of satisfaction I get to helping people, I see myself in every client I talk to, there's really not a single issue that comes up that I don't think I've experienced this in my own life. And I'm so happy and grateful to be able to help other people with the tools that I have, the knowledge that I have, the perspective that I have, right? Not just from coaching, but from my own experience. Um, and it's just very gratifying to to see the change, the transformation in clients, uh, in their demeanor, in the way they think about themselves in their life. I mean, I, there's really nothing more fulfilling that I can imagine doing.
1: We've been talking to Desi Shackney about how to reboot after divorce, loss, or death of a spouse. And we'll be right back after a short break. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Up from the ashes, out of the grave. Sweet taste of freedom, no longer your slave.
2: Picture the heart wrenching anguish a family endures when a child is abducted. Human trafficking is a worldwide crisis that plagues our society. Voices Against Trafficking stands as a voice for those entrapped in the depths of despair. Broken Treasures, You Hold the Key is a musical collection that showcases the dedication of artists and celebrities who were determined to protect the world's children. There is a way for you to make a difference right now. Visit VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. The proceeds will go towards helping child victims. The power to liberate them rests in your hands.
0: Cause I'm still alive. your
2: world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346 9141 or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now back to this week's show.
1: We are back. I'm Chris Meek, host of Next Steps Forward. And my guest today is Desi Shackney. is a certified life coach dedicated to enlightening and empowering individuals in midlife who are experiencing relationship transitions such as divorce, a breakup, or the loss of a spouse. Her mission is to foster emotional well-being and guide them toward realizing their dream lives. Desi Shackney is a devoted mother of three, an avid cyclist, and a passionate student of quantum concepts. Desi, I know you specialize in folks who are going through divorce or loss in midlife, but there's a new trend of older couples divorcing. It's called gray divorce, which I haven't heard of until today. Do you have any thoughts on why that's happening?
2: Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts, and I also have thoughts about the term "gray divorce," which <laughs> I think lays a lot of judgment on <laughs> on on the that age range of people who are. And you know, I would say, I mean, I'm in that. I would fall in that category if I were getting divorced today. And I definitely don't see myself as a gray divorce person. But um, why are they why is it happening? I think it's happening for a variety of reasons. I think um, you know, especially in long term marriages people tend to get lost in the marriage and they don't really know who they are as an individual. And as they get older and as the kids leave their home, they have more time to think about what does the next half of life look like for me? Uh, And it, it might just be the realization that we don't have an unlimited number of years on this planet. Right. And it's like, do I want to continue living the same way with the person that I've chosen to live with in the last 25, 30 years, or do I want to try something new? Um, do I want to, you know, how do I maximize what I'm getting out of my, uh, out of life? So there's definitely folks that I work with that fall in that category. I mean, of course there's also, um, you know, a lot of the no- typical reasons right? whether financial Um, sometimes it's a question of like, if the partner, you know, maybe the partner isn't functioning, if there's abuse in the relationship or if there's alcoholism or any kind of other addiction, um, obviously that's not a great situation that you want to continue to perpetuate. Um, but the, the other reason I see a lot in our age group is intimacy, right? And, and the level of intimacy and, and the, um, you know the level of desire that you have for the person that you've been with and and maybe that's just not longer there so you're looking to explore other things and that's propelling you to decide that the that relationship is now what i call complete it's been completed and now you want to move on to something else so again a, a lot of different types of reasons
1: and for the record i did not create the phrase great divorce <laughs> That wasn't me. That was my writer. I'll get <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll, we'll blame
1: Eric, for the writer. So Desi, when recovering from a divorce, you said that people really have to look at almost every area of their life and figure out how they want each part to be going forward. That's obviously a lot of work, and I imagine it's difficult for them to know where to start. How long does it take for you to figure out where they should start, and you ever get any pushback from them?
2: Well... So when they sign up to work with me, I typically take them through my approach to the areas that I work with. And, um, you know, it's always a conversation. And and the six areas that I that we discussed that I mentioned on my website, they're just, you know, a, a guidepost. I mean, we can cover many other topics depending on what the client's really looking to do. So I try to tailor my approach depending on who I'm talking to and, and what they're looking to accomplish. Um it's, there's really no cookie cutter way of doing it. Um, everyone is in a different point in their journey. Everyone's looking to get something different from coaching. And, you know, and, and that's what because my current practice is one on one, mainly, um, I can I can be flexible and tailor my framework to the needs of the client. Um, as I'm looking to develop more standard programs, you know, that follow specific steps, obviously, I'm pulling on the experience that I have now that I see, you know, where do people want to focus on mainly and and try to use that in building that framework. But um, like I said, it, it is, everyone is so different. And it's, um, it, and that's what makes it so great. And, you know, and awesome for me is because I keep Improving and learning new things with every single client that I work with, so it's um, it's uh, it's a journey for both of us.
1: You also say that those people have full accountability for themselves. How hard is that part? Full accountability for people to accept?
2: Well, obviously, it's hard. I mean, it is hard to take responsibility for something that happened. That you know, and again, like I. People call it "oh, my marriage failed" because it ended in divorce, right? I mean, just the words we use about marriage is there's so much judgment, like on on these words. And and so what I say is, take responsibility for how you feel, right? Because you can't change the circumstance, whether you're the one who desired the divorce or it, you know, it, it you're on the on the other end of it you need to take responsibility for your feelings and and understand that, you know, you are the one in control of that. It is not the external circumstance. It is not your ex-spouse. It is not your mother-in-law. It is, you know, it's really, you are the one that has to own that. Um, and that is what I call, um, uh, you know, emotional adulthood. And typically we have to you start with emotional childhood, which is, blaming the person venting he did this to me I deserve better I'm entitled to x y and z why did I get this you know so I think it's just normal for us to kind of go through those and eventually after we have that off our chests you know, let's go back to, okay, you're an adult now, like, let's take control of your own emotions and have, take some accountability for what happened in this relationship, because it's never a one-way street. Um, And just because you are sort of receiving it, it means that you've allowed to receive it. It means that you've been okay with being on the receiving end of something. And again, like, it's just giving people tools to feel more empowered, that they do have control over their life. And over their emotions and um, but kind of meeting them where they are, because obviously you do need to be mindful and empathetic that there are some emotions that have to be processed and it's just natural to go through these emotions uh, as you're navigating that journey.
1: You also do a lot of exploration around current beliefs and how they affect relationships. In your experience, how much of our current beliefs are based on the beliefs instilled in us in an early age as a result, how much do they get in the way of us being our most complete selves?
2: I mean, I think a lot, right? We believe, as, as children, we believe what we hear around us. We, whether it's coming from our parents or from the TV set or from cues in, in the culture and society, we pick up on these things and we internalize them and we believe them to be true. Um, and, you know, the more we think a thought, the the more ingrained it becomes as a belief. Um, and so it's really the first step is is that's why um, we talk about, like, some of the tools. So journaling, putting your thoughts down on paper, writing out what are your current beliefs? What do you believe about yourself? For example, that's one exercise we do. Write down all the things that you believe about yourself and And just look at them objectively you know and and as soon as you put something down on paper you can externalize it um and you can have a little bit of distance from it more perspective and see whether those beliefs still ring true for you and decide whether you want to keep them or not you know and i think it's it's kind of an interesting concept of doing spring cleaning on your beliefs so Every few, every year or every couple of years, you might want to do that and just put your beliefs down on a sheet of paper and see, okay, well, these are no longer valid for me. Let me take these out of my belief system and, and kind of upgrade my beliefs with something else. Um, so that's, a, that's always a fun exercise to do with clients.
1: So you talk about spring cleaning for your beliefs. Is it a matter of completely changing some of our beliefs? or is it a matter of changing the way we frame our beliefs?
2: That's a, it's a, I feel like it's just a semantic difference. So when you, when you reframe something, right, you change what it is, you know, cause it's all about the framing and even the word divorce, divorce can be framed in a positive light. It can be framed in a negative light. So the framing, um, is, is in a way it's everything because it's our perception of the thing, you know. Um, but I would say it's absolutely possible to change your beliefs. It's, it's you know, beliefs are not truth. They're really just our thoughts. Our, our thoughts are very subjective. Um, and, you know, they're based on our senses. They're based on cultural condition, et cetera. So they're, they're just optional. And so are our beliefs, and I think that's what's interesting is that we can honestly try on new beliefs, uh, upgrade our beliefs. Believing new things um, is a big topic. Let's try to believe new things and see how that goes. And, um, and I think what's, what's amazing is the, the things that you can see as a, on the results end of it, once you do upgrade your beliefs, it's, it's amazing what you can achieve.
1: Do you discuss the specific issues or problems that led to the divorce? Or is that just water over the dam, and they just take fifty percent of the blame?
2: In the context of how they want to move forward in a new relationship, I think some people do want to go back and and look at why the divorce happened and what did they, you know, how they contributed to the divorce coming about, so that they sort of feel like, okay, well, let's let's look at that behavior and and those traits and see whether I can um, not you know, make those same mistakes again in a new relationship. Um, But again, like that's very past focus, you know, and I try not to dwell too much on the past and say, okay, well, today you're, you're, you know, it's, I think it's absolutely for just for growth, personal growth purposes, having the awareness of what you did in that past relationship is definitely key, Um, but not dwelling on it, not, you know, sort of like criticizing yourself or, beating yourself up for doing it more as a guide to who, how do I want to be now that I know all this, you know, who am I going to be in my next relationship and just making a note of certain behaviors or, or tendencies that you might want to modify as you, as you get into that new um, context.
1: Do you find that your clients open up more easily to you because not only are you an avid cyclist, but because you've been through the process as well yourself?
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, they. I can relate to them. And I've been there. I feel like because a lot of the people I work with are maybe one or two years out of divorce, you know, and they really are trying to find their way through the maze. And I am now 11 years past my divorce. I feel like a veteran at divorce, you know. <laughs> so I've sort of been through all the, the main milestones. And uh, it's just very um, – it, 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 it is really – Interesting that yes, definitely they can relate to me, and uh, it's much easier for me to coach someone because I've actually been through it myself.
1: What are the greatest obstacles that most people have to overcome?
2: What are the greatest obstacles? It's their thinking. (laughs) That is their biggest obstacle, is how their mind works. They don't want to, it's very uncomfortable to change what you're used to thinking, you know? I can actually remember when I was going through my divorce and I was in a habit of constantly, um, having to, you know, I, I was having to wake up in the morning and I, it was just, it was just this cloud of sadness, you know, it was just grief and sadness and tears. And I would wake up to that like morning after morning and it was just horrible. And it's and I felt like I had no control over it. Now looking back, if I had if I knew then what I know now, I would just know, well, let me take a look and examine my thoughts and what am I thinking about that is creating all this grief for me. Because, you know, the brain gets used to even even the pain and you just go back to that because you're just used to it. You get addicted to feeling these painful emotions. Um and you just prolong the grief longer than necessary. So I think if you can sort of like shorten that cycle and, and get out of it quicker and process it, I think that's really the what I would try to do for myself if, if I were coaching myself then.
1: We talk about coaching yourself. I think that also raises the question, how well do we know ourselves and how much of our lives do we put on automatic pilot?
2: Well, I think you already know the answer. <laughs> I mean most of our life is on autopilot, right? We rarely stop and think and question what we're thinking. Is it is it even true? Is it based on facts? Is it like, you know, so much of it is reactivity and it's just uh, a lot of it could it, it, especially when we talk about relating to other people and a new relationship we bring triggers from our past into the new, you know, we could be triggered by anything. It could be a loud noise. It could be, you know, your, your partner just saying something like, I don't want Chinese tonight. And it triggers you because in the past your previous experience is something around food. And all of a sudden that comes up and you don't even know that you're reacting to a past situation and, and the new partner has nothing to do with it. Right and it's all you, not them. Um, So yeah, we're on autopilot. I mean, what is it like 95% of our everything that we think and do is based on is in our subconscious. And we're only 5% aware of our conscious thoughts. It's, it is just the way the brain works. And I think that's what makes coaching so um, game changing, I think, for people is because you you start to like dig deeper into that subconscious and unpack it and unravel those thoughts, and that's what actually enables you having a different course in life is like changing your life because you now become aware of that iceberg that is buried so deep in your subconscious.
1: Well, in talking about game changing, without divulging identities, of course, can you share an example or two of when the light bulb really came on for a client?
2: I have. Different like different levels of examples, you know, I, I mean, some are probably more game changing than others. Um, something that's probably less of a game changer, but, you know, on a daily basis, it can affect a person. So I have a client and she, you know, she moved from the suburbs to the city and, and now she has this city life um, as a single woman in her 50s. And she said to me. Desi, I observed that I do a lot of things alone, you know, and like the other day I went to a beautiful concert in the park and it was a great sunset. And I looked around me and, you know, people were sort of older and and they were alone. And, you know, I looked at myself and I thought, this is my life. And I just felt depressed about my life that I didn't have someone to share this moment with, you know, at this concert. And, and she said, I just, had to go. I just couldn't stay there anymore. I just picked up my blanket and left because it was just really getting me down. What is that? It's a story. We're telling ourselves a story about that we're alone, that we're, you know, poor me, here I am. And, you know, who knows if I'm ever going to find someone. So we get like wrapped up in these stories and we believe them and they become our reality. And I said, well, think think through how else could you have thought about that moment, right? I mean, it's a beautiful evening. You you have your privilege to have this, you know, amazing band in front of you and that you can enjoy. Why not take that as a positive, or rather than spin it in such a negative way? And so she had this aha moment from that story. That she creates all these stories in all kinds of different situations. It's not just about that one. Uh, moment it's a you know in her work life in her trout in her vacation life in her um you know all these different ways that she lives where she spins the story in a way that it's all about poor me and feeling depressed so just changing the story and changing the narrative again like it's in our power to do that it's just looking at things in a different in a different light uh, that's one one small example the other more game-changing example is um uh, I had a client and he was in a long-term relationship with someone. And it, again, you know, ended up single, no kids or anything. And he um, was sort of like lost. He didn't really know what to do. Um, if he wasn't tied to a specific location for his, his work, et cetera. So, um, you know, through the work that we did together, we uncovered some of his dreams and things that he really was passionate about and wanted to do in life. Um, so he just called me two months ago and he said, I've made a decision. I'm selling my house and I'm buying a sailboat and I'm going to live six months of the year in the Caribbean on my boat and the other six months up on the East coast. And I'm going to try that for two years and see how I like it. Um, and, and so, but you know, it was a journey to get there. That wasn't something that was an easy decision for him. And again, you know, you can completely create a new life for yourself if you, if you can dream it, you can create it. So,
1: that's, six months in a Sebo in the Caribbean doesn't sound terrible,
2: right? I know, right? Good for him. Good for him.
1: So, how long, on average, and if there is an average, does the coaching process take until someone has the answers and skill set they need to consider they process successful?
2: I mean, I I start everyone with eight weeks because I want to give them a taste of what it's like to be coached. And at eight weeks, um, people will say, I'd like to renew for another eight, or I'd like to renew for, you know, three months or so it, it there is no determined time timeframe. Um, I, I feel like coaching, I get coaching every week from my coach. And it's just a it's just a way of someone holding space for you that isn't a friend that isn't your family member. It's an objective observer who can sort of point you to things that you probably already know, but you just cannot like see through your through the fog in your head. Um, and you know, I I just I just find coaching um, invigorating and incredibly helpful. Like in every single area of my life, I I would not be the person I am today um, if not for the coaching that I've had. And uh, I feel like that's what I would like to gift to my clients. Um, But there is no predetermined time frame. It's really very individual. And if you enjoy it and find it beneficial, then I'm happy to work with people, you know, for months.
1: That's a perfect segue to my next question. Where can people learn more about you and what you do and get in touch with you if they're interested?
2: The main place would be my website. So it's just my first name and last name, desishakney.com. Uh, You can also find me on Instagram at Desi DesiShakni at Instagram and the same on Facebook. So those are the the three main places that you can find me. And if you would like to get in touch um, immediately, you can also email me at dshakni at gmail.com.
1: And also reach out to me, Chris, at nextstepsforward.com. Again, the website is desishakni.com. That's D-E-S-S-I-S-C-H-A-C-H-N-E. So, Desi, we have just a few minutes left, and I always like to have our guests take us to close with something that gives them hope or offer advice to our audience to help them become less stressed, more content, and more empowered. What should give hope and optimism to people who are thinking about divorce, in the process of divorce, or still coping with the aftermath of a divorce, and help them become more resilient and empowered?
2: It's going to pass. This is just a phase that will pass, and then you will get into the new normal and the new normal can be amazing. You can really create your new normal from scratch. You can, you know, dream it as big as you want to dream it. Or, and and there is definitely hope for everyone. And I know because I've been in in the, the lowest doldrums, and I I know where I am today, which is a completely different place. It there's hope for every single person that you can have a better life. And I like to think of it as you know, you, we talk about ROI in business, um, return on investment. What is your return on life? Like, we only have so many years. Let's make whatever remains, especially after divorce, because you can start from scratch, because you can invent who you are and the kind of life you want. Let's make that like the best life that you can possibly imagine and, um, and you know, max out on, on living. So that's what I... I have to end with.
1: Max out and living. That's a great way to end the show. I love that. Desi Shackney, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate your time and insights.
2: Thank you so much, Chris. It was really great to be here. Thank you. I appreciate your time.
1: And thank you to our audience for joining us for another episode of Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details on upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ChrisMeekPublicFigure and on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ChrisMeek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place, with another leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.